Welcome to the Final Frontier, a Trexphere podcast. Joining me in the studio today is our fearless leader and the man behind the mission, Adam Mullen. Well, hello, it is I. And I am Bill Allen, a.k.a. the guy in the red shirt, and we are here. It's a new year. It's a new us. We're moseying right along. silence i can cut out yeah (laughs) yeah it's like i'm used to there being a third person to kind of you know yeah so i have to talk 50 percent more yep i actually have to talk speaking of 50 percent more there's 50 percent more star trek now yep so yeah there's a new section 31 series how do we feel about this bill um cautiously optimistic (laughs) Uh, Why is that? Well, um, in part, I like it because there's nothing that annoys me more than the fans who sit there. This isn't real Star Trek because it's too dark. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, you think Discovery is dark? Here's the show about Starfleet's Black Ops team. (laughs) Let's show you what dark really looks like. The star of the show is the the genocidal tyrant dictator empress from the Mirror Universe. You thought Discovery was too dark to be Star Trek? Let's show you what dark looks like. (laughs) Well, you know, the the other day, uh, one of the uh, showrunners, she responded to a a fan on Twitter who had shared an uh, alarmist article with her. Uh, saying, you know, that the new series would, uh, would forego that, that optimism, uh, and just be totally dark. And the showrunner, she, um, you know, she said, no, that's not that at all. Uh, it would still have those ideals, uh, that what Star Trek holds true. And, uh, I think that was, um, that was comforting to know. Cause even though it's, you know, yeah, it's section 31, it's going to be probably pretty dark. It's still going to have that that bright future uh, yeah it's yeah i mean there's a couple of different ways they could go with it um i mean frankly it's real easy to be optimistic and have everybody be smiling and sunny when things are going fine and you're Mm -hmm. cruising around in a luxury liner but um you know Optimism that can handle situations that are harsh and ugly and and not as pleasant as the the the, the fluffy gooey marshmallow center of the federation that's real optimism that's where that's where hope matters and not just hope is a state of being where mm-hmm. you know everybody's fat happy and lazy we're going to see the uh, the true face of the federation and you know those ideals are going to be put to the test because I know you've been saying for a while that you know, the, the Federation is, uh, what, what were your words? Um, it's, um, it's a, it's a, a false front. Mm-hmm. The Federation is, is, is not the, the utopia it pretends to be. It's got a great layer of Orwellian propaganda that pretends to be utopian perfection, but it's got all sorts of flaws. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hopefully we get to see that through this series. Uh, that would be really cool. Cause that's, that's not something that gets touched on a lot. Except yeah, for, no. you know, when we had discussed Star Trek Beyond. Right. 
And uh, the other thing I'm hoping is, I mean, this is a good chance to um, do a, an actual proper uh, character redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Discovery, but one of the things I felt was kind of a uh, kind of a letdown, kind of a forgotten element as the show went on. Early on, they talked about it was going to be a uh, a redemption arc for Burnham, where she goes from being a you know failed mutineer and eventually redeems herself and becomes a hero of the Federation. And they kind of dropped the ball on that, and it felt like the ending to Star Trek Four, where they're all like, hey, Captain Kirk, <laughs> you um, committed about a dozen serious felonies, a couple of high crimes bordering on treason. You sabotaged a Federation starship. You almost started us with a war with the Klingons. But since you saved the planet, we're going to give you a new starship. Have a nice day. Bye. Yeah. And uh, the only difference is uh, they had Discovery had uh, fifteen episodes to to make it matter. Uh, whereas Star Trek Four, you know, feature length film, they had was uh, like what's the runtime? I know it's probably less than two hours, right? So yeah, uh, I because I love Star Trek Four so much, I whenever it gets to that, I, I give it a pass for whatever reason. Uh, because I guess the whole idea of time traveling to save whales from this alien probe is so, you know, it's <laughs> it's so crazy that it it's just kind of a, a it's not a joke, but it's I don't know it's humorous. So yeah. I, I let it slide. Whereas this was you know pretty serious stuff, and yeah, it uh, I think they could have done a better job along with um, ending the war with the Klingons. <laughs> Uh, it was very uh, quick. I know um, my girlfriend w- had been watching it with me, and that's what her her beef with the show was, that it felt like it wrapped up way too quickly uh, in just a few minutes <laughs> after all of that buildup. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, ideal situation to have a cliffhanger ending where, oh, wow, the Federation is doomed, and then uh, Season 2 is the Federation coming back from the brink and defeating the Klingons, and that would have pushed the current storyline back to Season 3, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I totally understand, you know, wanting to the move on and, you know, do something new, which is fine. You know, it, it's good that they're on to something new. The tone is, is different. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was kind of a little too quick, um, but, and that's probably because of the Mirror Universe stuff, yeah. which I still really liked seeing that it was really great uh but yeah. i did enjoy i will say it's um i i like the mirror universe stuff here better than i like the stuff they did on um deep space nine enterprise oh enterprise it, it, it kind of falls in the middle of deep space nine some of deep space nine's mirror episodes were just shouldn't have been done at all <laughs> ever but some of them were actually really good and really well done yeah and uh, the mirror stuff they did for Discovery falls in between those two. The Enterprise mm-hmm. episodes, the Enterprise mirror episodes were just, eesh. I don't know. I, I enjoyed those episodes, but I guess that's because the Defiant uh, yeah, I mean, has, has a special place in my heart. I enjoyed them, but they were there for fan service. It wasn't like yeah. they gave us something amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's what season four was about, though, with Enterprise was more well connecting it to the you know original series the other shows which i appreciated but yeah the uh that was that was more fan service but i i still enjoyed it yeah but um 
I think yeah, but I but but, but I kind of wandered off of my point there. The uh, with Empress Giorgio now being on the Federation side of things and her being ruthless and bloodthirsty and cutthroat and having no respect at all for what <laughs> the Federation ideals are. I think this Section 31 series will provide an opportunity for her to learn and understand that those those Federation ideals do have merit and that she might actually have a more developed redemption arc that I was kind of hoping we'd have with Burnham that they mm -hmm. kind of forgot about. Yeah, that's what I immediately thought when they announced it, thinking, okay, this is going to be a redemption thing for her and it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, at least her become more balanced and less pure evil. Uh, uh, what I have in my notes here is, uh, will it run parallel to Discovery? Now, the other day, uh, we had, oh, I, I can't think of her name, uh, McNamara or Nakamara, or, you know, she's, the, she's mm -hmm. one of the heads up in CBS talking about how it might be a replacement uh, for Discovery. Discovery might, you know, not be running at the same time as section 31 which you know could totally happen uh, you know uh, i don't necessarily expect all these shows to be running concurrently uh but you know do you think it will run parallel to discovery and how would they balance that would would these stories interact uh does it would it complicate things more uh what do you think um yes i think it's going to be parallel to discovery um, it sounds like what CBS is trying to do is have some type of new Star Trek coming out every week. Maybe a couple of weeks here and there where there's downtime. Mm -hmm. But it's like you're going to have the, the, the 15 episodes of Discovery, the 13 episodes of Discovery, a couple of which are going to be featuring Empress Giorgio. We've seen the trailers. They've, they've shown her in a couple of the trailers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and then you're going to have 13 episodes of Section 31 that takes that'll be after, but in the same year as what's going on in Discovery. Mm -hmm. So there's a possibility you'll have a Discovery actor or two pop in. That's a kind of like what they did with a couple of the episodes where they had some DS9 TNG crossovers. Yeah. And then after their 13 episodes, you'll get 13 episodes of um, Captain Picard and the end of the Federation. Hmm. And then uh, 13 episodes of uh, Lower Decks, the uh, animated adventures. Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking is that they'll probably, they'll probably uh, have two main shows in a year, and then they'll be split up with... Uh, uh, the, the short treks. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, just from looking at a production standpoint and then putting it all out. Um, yeah, and there will be weeks where there's there's nothing. Maybe a month or something. Um, but I'm I'm thinking that they'll trade off. These main series will trade off. So you won't have Picard every year. You won't have Section 31 every year. Discovery every year. As we've seen with Discovery Season 2 production, it you know, it, it wasn't released in 2018. Uh, so, you know, the, what was it? Uh, first season ended, was that in 2017 or 2018? I can't even remember now. It, I think it ended right around It was now. February. January, February, it ended. Of 2018? But it, it, 
Yeah. Okay. It started like what uh, Halloween? Uh, it started in September, uh, of twenty seventeen. Yeah, and I think it was about nine months since you know, it went on, or when they from when they began filming uh, season two to when it was released. It was about nine months. So you've got about nine-ish months of production for these shows. Right. Um, and what you know. Uh, what they're seeing is that these shows are so visual effects heavy and whatnot that it takes a lot of pre-production. Uh, it takes a lot of time to put these out. So, you know, it's no wonder that we probably won't see Section 31 until at least 2020. Uh, and I, I'm kind of surprised that they're putting up the Picard show, hopefully at the end of 2019. I wouldn't be surprised if it was delayed to the beginning of 2020. Uh, but that, that's that's a little surprising to me. But, well, you know, they're I mean, begin, they're going to begin filming in April, and they probably have been planning it for a while. It sounds like at least a year is when they had talks with Patrick Stewart. So yeah, I guess, I guess it, the, it could happen. The way they've described the show too is it's going to be a vastly different. It's a different point in his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been twenty something years. He's retired. He's not in Starfleet anymore, which means you probably don't need as many FX shots featuring epic space footage. It's going to be him in his little isolated home dealing with whatever he's dealing with before he goes out in the world. It's not like they need grand sweeping vistas or convoluted sets for his show. His his is going to be all, um, you know, close-ups on his face so you can see him act. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess that's a good segue, uh, talking about the Picard series. Uh, so, you know, the, recently Alex Kurtzman was talking about the Kelvin timeline influence and the destruction of Romulus and how that will have a profound effect on Picard, you know, with the the Romulan star empire being no more. Right. Uh, which I, I think is, I think that's really cool because how could you not have that come into play? I mean, I know a lot of people don't like those movies or probably don't want to watch the show now that they know that. Um, yeah. But you know, it, what people need, need to understand is um, that it's, it's still in the prime timeline. You know, it's not going to be JJ Trek. Um, it's just that this big event um, has, you know, changed a lot of stuff. I think that's good. I think the destruction of Romulus presented um, these endless possibilities of storytelling. It shook things up. Uh, and so I, I think that's good. And I think we're actually lucky that it's Alex Kurtzman doing this because since he, you know, he, he co-wrote uh, that first uh, move, reboot movie. And so he knows, you know, he knows it really well. Uh have you read the countdown comics that led into the 2009 movie? I've uh, I've seen snippets of them. Okay. I haven't read the actual um series yet. So, is it okay if I if I give spoilers? Yeah, it's been about what 7 years now, I think the uh, spoiler. Yeah, it's been actually like 10 years now because that yeah, movie the... came out in 2009. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the countdown comics came out after the movie, so they oh, were 2010. They, they oh, okay. I I know I read them when they came out, but uh Yeah. So, uh, you know, either was, way, yeah, it, we're, we're past the spoiler blackout yeah. limitations, yeah. so you're good to go. So, you know, it, it deals with Nero and Spock, um, leading up to the the supernova, but we also get Picard and Captain Data of the Enterprise E, and Picard's an ambassador to Vulcan. Uh, and so, uh, I and Alex Kurtzman, I believe, 
co-wrote that too. Um, so I, I kind of, I'm thinking that that will become canon, so to speak. Uh, yeah. He'll have been an ambassador. Uh, maybe you know, if, even if we don't see data, I think he'll. Maybe they don't even need to mention it, but I think that will that'll become solidified, and I think that'll be really cool. Right. Now I remember back when these movies first came out, J.J. Um, Abrams had a plan. He wanted to do the ultimate multimedia thing. He wanted to have his films along with a comic book series that was canon and tied in with the films mm -hmm. specifically, yeah. along with a series of webisodes that would just be like little 15-minute shorts online that would also tie in canonically. I didn't know about that. And a TV series. Oh, yeah, but uh, it sounded like an animated show. I think he probably wanted that and an animated show. But, I mean, he had this plan to do this huge, massive, over-the-top, we're going to be TV, movies, comics, and it's all going to tie together in, in one big, epic tapestry. And Paramount was like, yeah, no, we're not <laughs> doing that. That's insane and stupid, and it won't work. And then a couple of years later, Marvel comes out with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which almost does it, but then backs away from it because even they realized it was really convoluted and complicated. <laughs> so you end up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being connected to, quote-unquote, the, the, the films, but just so far removed that there was no overlap. Yeah. And uh, the same thing with the uh, the Netflix Marvel series. Is they're in the same universe. There were a handful of mentions mm -hmm. about events, and then after that, they're their own thing, and there's no crosstalk or overlap or intertwining. So e even Marvel, across a multimedia platform with one cinematic universe, doesn't get all of its pieces to sync up perfectly. So I think it's possible to say, I mean, since Marvel slash Disney threw billions at the project and they didn't fully integrate everything, uh, it's safe to say that, you know, the, the suits at Paramount CBS made the right call in telling J.J., no, don't do a... I mean, I would have loved to have seen it. It would have yeah. been epic and amazing. And maybe, maybe, maybe they could have pulled it off. But Marvel didn't quite pull it off, and they had a lot more resources to start with. So that might have been the right call, and it pains me to say that because I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, yeah, it would have been really great. You know, I, Paramount CBS. You know, that's a that's a little bit different because you know the rights are split between the films and the right. TV shows and the merchandise and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's a little bit different. It's more complicated. So if Disney Marvel can't do it, then you know Star Trek probably can't do it as of right now anyway but yeah that yeah. would have been really great to see but we're so now we're kind of getting that uh and uh, the other day at the the new york premiere of discovery he was asked uh, alex Kurtz, kurtzman was asked you know will we uh will we see more of the, those elements you know uh from the movies um or the the 2009 movie come into play and he you know he wants it to be consistent he wants he said it's canon so you know it should but you know, then he was asked about the the legal stuff behind it, and uh, he said that's a it seems like it's a conversation that needs to happen or is happening or something uh, to see if they can introduce more of those elements so that it's all consistent things line up because 
it is all Star Trek. You know, he he doesn't want it to. He doesn't want one thing to contradict the other. Uh, cue the people that will then whine about Discovery. But yeah. Uh, so uh, having said all that, uh, do you think we'll see the Enterprise E or maybe an Enterprise F? I mean, that's getting into the Paramount stuff again. Uh, do you think we'll see an, an Enterprise? I think screen? we. M- we may see an F because it, it's about time for a redesign. And mm-hmm. if this is 20 years after, I mean, when was the last Next Generation movie? That's been 20 so, years. Yeah, so it, um, that was in 2002. So in Star Trek time, that was 2379. The Enterprise E was launched around 2371 or so. And right. the first contact was 7172. Um, so, you know, yeah, if you take the average of how long the Enterprise D lasted and the other ones, uh, you know, it's the average is a pretty small number uh, unless you count the original Enterprise. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 <laughs> that's the weird thing about it. It's hard to get it to sync up. It's like um, the Enterprise A or the Enterprise original lasted for, what, 30, 35 years? Uh, so I think it was uh, launched in 2245. Uh when was it? Just, when, when, when did Kirk blow that up? It was like 80. It was in the 2280s. Right. So almost 40 years for the first one. Yeah. And, well, let, let's call it 30 years for the classic, and then it got the refit, and that survived another 10 years. Actually, you know, I, I actually, uh, last year I took notes on this, and I tried to estimate all, you know how long each enterprise lasted. I have to go through my notes here and see if I can find it. Okay, so yeah, the enterprise was uh, launched in forty-five, destroyed in eighty-five. That was forty years. Enterprise A was seven years. It launched in eighty-six, decommissioned in ninety-three, um, and then the B and the C were kind of guesses. Uh, the D lasted for eight years. Uh, so yeah, it's right. yeah, they're pretty small numbers. And it's like it's kind of – and there are some oddities about those numbers. It's like there's apparently a 30-year gap between the C being lost and the D being built. Yeah, so it was lost in 2344. Enterprise D was launched in 63. Okay. So it, so what, what is that, 19 years? 19 years, yeah. That's still a large gap. And that gap seems a little small, considering we see Sila later on, and she doesn't seem to be, but she seems closer to 30 than she does to 22. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but, you know, there's a big gap between the NX-01 and the original Enterprise, but, you yeah. know, you could chalk that up to, well... It wasn't know, the Federation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and yeah. also the show didn't exist, just from that perspective. But, yeah, there was a... That was decommissioned in 2161. Uh, so, yeah, that's almost... You know, uh, 100 years, that's like 80-some years, right? So Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so you're saying Enterprise F. I think that would be cool to see. Or at the very least, mention it. Uh, right. That would make everyone nerd out. Uh, will we see Q? I want to see Q. I think we may at some point see Q. I think it would be cool to see him at the very end of the first season. Uh because I, I, I want to see a continuing uh, game between him and Picard, like the very like from the um, pilot episode encounter at Farpoint to the very end of All Good Things, when when Q comes back and says, you know, 
the trial never yeah, the ends. Trial. The trial never ends. I want to see that come back. Um, and I want to see this as the central point to this Picard series. Uh, and, you know, what lies in store for Picard. Uh, you know, like his destiny. Uh, which, you know, there is a trademark name called Star Trek Destiny. And I think that would be fitting. Yeah. I'd just like to see Picard bat crap crazy. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> well, I think we might get some of the, you know, uh, in All Good Things, how he was suffering from... Uh, well, Barzan syndrome or something. It was something, yeah, where he's, yeah. Um, yeah. And they think he's going crazy. So I think yeah. that would be interesting to see the onset of that, you know, like developing I mean, or something. Especially if you think about all the stuff he's gone through over the years. I mean, his mind should be basically mashed potatoes at this point. Yeah. And then who knows what happened in 20 years since we last seen Yeah. Him. I mean, the Borg, the Vulcan, the the Catan, the... I mean, who hasn't Swiss-cheesed his brain and fiddled around inside his head? Alien yeah. possessions... Mind melds, Ferengi mind control devices. The guy should be a vegetable. It kind of reminds me of Jack O'Neill in uh, Stargate SG One. Yeah, so many things happened to that man's brain that he should not be walking. <laughs> yeah, so maybe he is the next step in human evolution. You know, maybe. But um, I, I think I, I mean, and part of it is you know, I just thought it, it would amuse me, but I, I saw Bubba Hotep and I liked it. But it would be great if Picard is. Only a tiny bit senile because he's old. He really doesn't have that Barzan syndrome or whatever it was. But um, because of his past and because he's old and a little bit forgetful and senile, when he starts ranting and raving about a mysterious alien threat that only he can see, everyone just dismisses him as crazy, even though he's telling the truth. Oh, it's aromatic, aromatic syndrome. I'm looking up a memory alpha. Yeah, I think the Burzan syndrome was the one that, or that was Bendy's syndrome was what uh, Sarek had. Or Sarek, yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, what were you saying? I just want to see, like, Captain Picard, all by his lonesome, has to face a new alien threat, and he keeps telling people about these invisible aliens that are coming after us all. And since there's no evidence of it, nobody believes him because they all think he's senile and crazy. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see. Hold on a sec. Yeah, I think they're going to incorporate some elements. They're not making it J.J. Kelvin universe timeline. It's still going to be prime timeline, but there were events that happened in the prime timeline. That led to creating the Kelvin timeline. So it all intersects and overlaps and intertwines. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to the short treks? Let's move on to the short treks. All right. It's safe to discuss all four of them. Yeah. So which one was your favorite one? Um, tough call, tough call. I liked the Harry Mud one. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, a nice little reference to, you know, his planet of androids later on. Yeah. Um, and it fit the character so well. Um, uh, but, I mean, the Seiru one, yes, it was a nice little character moment for him. And the payoff came in the first episode of the new season. But, you know, that one really was kind of, meh. Um... Tilly, well, you know, I'm silly for Tilly. Everybody's silly for Tilly. 
But no, it, it, it's kind of a toss-up between Calypso and um, the Escape Artist for me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I I think I like the Mud episode the best, uh, and it, it, I think it bodes well for the um, the uh, Lower Decks since it's the same guy who wrote that is doing Lower Decks. You know, he's from Rick and Morty. Um, yeah. Michael McMahon or whatever his name is. I think that would be really cool. Uh, so we're getting two more, at least two more short treks, but they're going to be animated and we'll see those after discovery season two. Uh, I think that'll be interesting. I think it, it will give CBS the chance to play around with what style of animation they want to do for lower decks and, uh, whatever else they're doing animated wise, uh, and see what people like the most. Um, I think that's a good chance or a good opportunity. Uh, I'd be surprised if that's not why they're doing it. Yeah, nice little test platform. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see Discovery type stuff animated. I would kind of, I mean, it would be nice to see them do it in different animation styles. I yeah. think, um, Two different you, mem- you remember that show, Eureka? You know, I I tried watching it. I, I never got into it. I've been meaning to watch it because I've been told okay. it's really good. Yeah, there was one. They did a Christmas special once where um, a holographic supercomputer storybook thingy went haywire and basically turned the entire town into cartoons. <laughs> and as they kept trying to fix the book and adjust it, it kept switching animation styles. <laughs> So, you know, you have um, the the classic Christmas claymation style. You've got uh, cheesy, hokey, cartoony style. Eventually, you get this uh, crazy, over-the-top Japanese anime style. And they're they're trying to fix this so the whole town isn't destroyed by the the cartoon characters. It's it was a, a goofy episode that fit the storyline, but they they played with different uh, animation styles. And some of them it was it was an interesting take on uh, you know the different ways you can do cartoons. I'd like to see mm-hmm. them do that with short tricks, not necessarily showcase what the lower decks is going to have, but do it in different styles. Yeah, that would be interesting. Like have a series of animated shorts that are different animation styles. I mean, I in my head, I've always wanted to see a um, Marauder Mo cartoon series. <laughs> and it would feature uh, Grand Nagus Rom and his brother Quark sending Mo and his motley crew on various assignments where hijinks ensue. <laughs> and I could almost picture that being animated in the style of like uh, Teen Titans Go, that weird mm-hmm. uh, what GB anime, whatever they call it, where when they emote, their head swells up to sixty times normal size with lots of exclamation <laughs> points. I could see the cartoon being done that way, you know. That'd be a, a really cool series for kids. I think it would. maybe. <laughs> oh, it'd be fun for the whole family, you know, because yeah. you know. They're out for profit. They're trying to get ahead in life. Things go wrong, and they learn a valuable lesson along the way. Yeah, and then they learn the the rules of acqui- acquisition too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go, CBS. Talk to Bill. Yeah. Someday, so, maybe. 
<laughs> so that's a good segue into this animated series that Alex Kurtzman talked about. Um, it hasn't been officially announced, though, through CBS. Uh, so I <laughs> I was going to ask, what will it be about? But there you go, Marauder Mo. Uh, yeah. But besides that, what do you think? What do you think um, it could be about? Well, if they're doing Rick and Morty-type uh, comedy, and I don't know if they will. I mean, let's face it. Not not for an animated kid show. No. If it's I mean, for young they, kids. They, all they're going to do is tone back the language a little bit. But I think what you're going to get is... Um, there was a fan film many years ago. Uh, two red shirts beamed down to a planet. One of them's young and bright-eyed and optimistic, and the other's a jaded old cynic. Is this a joke? This sounds like a, a bad joke. No, but it was a very humorous. <laughs> it was a very humorous uh, fan film. They're on the planet, and it's like, boy, I'm so glad we're we're serving under Captain Kirk. Yeah, right. Okay, Nielsen, just just shut up. Keep your phaser set to kill, and shoot anything that moves. <sighs> but but landing party procedures say uh, we keep them to stun. Look, you're wearing a red shirt, right? You want to get off this planet? Your phaser's set to kill. You try to stun something, it doesn't get stunned, you die. That's how it works out here, okay? <laughs> if you see something strange, don't go towards it. Run and start shooting. And the whole time, it's these two guys just back and forth, and the guy's like, you know, I could have been a doctor like my mom wanted. Then I'd be in a blue shirt and I'd be safe. But no, I just had to be security. Had to be the tough guy. Now here I am. Looking for some strange energy creature we know nothing about, and I'm gonna die. <laughs> so, uh, sort so, of also the inspiration for uh, Guy Fliegman from um, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> so, are you saying that this animated series for kids would be more like that type of stuff? I think it's gonna be more like that type of stuff. It's like it's gonna be a regular, average crewman, lower, 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 lower decks. And wacky hijinks ensue that he has to deal with. And, and it's not all, ooh, look at the amazing wonder of space. It's great. My roommate just got transformed by an alien uh, <laughs> shrink ray again. <laughs> Let me fix this. See, I was thinking that maybe it would be like a, a young character. Uh, maybe they're not even in Starfleet. Uh, it, it would be probably be educational in some way. I mean, I, I guess you could have multiple shows for kids. One like what you just said, and then maybe something that's more, hopefully not like quite like Dora the Explorer, or Blue Blue's Clues. But I could, I think I could see them trying to do that. Yeah, uh, a, an, another adventure of a young cadet or something. Yeah. yeah, you're you're probably closer to reality than what I am on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was that would like be something really serious. You'd have like four of them, you know. You'd, you'd have basically it's Captain Planet, Planeteers, and Starfleet uniforms, <laughs> learning valuable life lessons and, and learning about each other and, and working together and all that stuff. Yeah, that that sounds okay. what it's going to. But was, with the guy writing for Rick and Morty, I mean, but maybe. He's, he's writing for lower decks though. That um, he might not be necessarily writing for for kids. This other show, yeah. Uh, what I was hoping is um, it would be a young Wesley Crusher, uh, and then everyone – it would just be an episode of people telling him to shut up and slapping him. See, now they should do that, and they should hire Will Wheaton 
to do the 30-second live intro spots like they used to do for Saturday morning cartoons. Remember when, uh, you know, what was it, Captain Lou Albano played Mario? The, are you talking about like... Uh... Like late 80s cartoon. Captain Lou Albano, the famous wrestler, he, he played Super Mario like oh, in geez. the live action segment for like 30 seconds and then they would go to the cartoon show for 20 minutes. I don't I don't think I've ever seen that cartoon. Oh, you don't remember the Super Mario cartoon? No, I was only born in 88. Okay. Um <laughs> so you probably don't remember GI Joe either. I pretty sure I've I mean I I know about it. I don't know if I've necessarily seen it. In the um, later seasons, each episode and some of the commercial breaks were introduced by Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> So they get the the actual character, but in live action form. Yes, and the actual character was based off an actual WWE wrestler. So, <laughs> I mean, the dude, big muscle dude, you know, green tank top, drill sergeant hat, those uh, aviator sunglasses. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. Look him up online. He was a real dude. Right. Well, as real as any wrestler is. But see, I, I grew up with with Nickelodeon, so. Oh yeah, I see him now. But um, it was a gimmick. Um, there were a few other cartoons. Those were the two I remember the most. Um, but yeah, it was a thing they were doing where they would have a live action actor like talk to the audience. Hey kids, you're ready for today's adventure? And then they dive into the adventure. So they could do that with Will Will Wheaton. Have have Will Wheaton, adult Will Wheaton. And he's the live action host for the cartoon uh, adventures, even if it's you know cartoon adventures of Will Wheaton. It's not we're here to slap <laughs> Will Wheaton every day. It's just <laughs> they have to have at least someone say once, "Shut up, Wesley." Yeah, uh, that would be great. So, in development, supposedly not officially announced, is uh, Starfleet Academy for young viewers. You think like this would be for like teens or uh, it's people gonna be for thinking your, about going into the military? It's going to be your eighteen to twenty fives. They're going to try to make uh, Riverdale in space. Yeah, that might, that might be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully, it's that, done well. That's that's been an idea that has been banded about for at least fifteen years now. It's been yeah, it's been uh, talked about for a while. A Starfleet Academy show. It would be good. I mean, it could be good. Uh, Take something like the old, go way back to the the 80s, uh, and there was a novel, the the Vulcan, the Vulcan Academy Murders. (laughs) Is this this an actual thing? There was an actual book. I think I've got the name. It might have been Vulcan Science Academy Murders, but it, it was one of the Star Trek novels that came out in the early days before they were doing like a... Uh, a, a series, hmm. a numbered series. So I'm just trying to find the Starfleet Academy thing on Memory Alpha because I know I've, I've read about it before and I've heard about it. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see because uh, there's been a lot of comics and books and whatnot about the academy about you know cadets 
Yeah, it's like it was like uh, like Kirk and the crew had to go to Vulcan, and they're at the Vulcan Academy, and a bunch of people start getting murdered on this college campus or something, <laughs> and they've got to figure out who the killer is. So something like that would be a good uh, jumping off. I can't remember. It's been like so long since I read that book. Way, I mean, we're talking way early, early days of the Star Trek novels, you know. Oh, geez. And, but it, that would be a good, you know, you retool that a little bit. You've got a class of cadets and a cup, a cadet ends up dead in an accident, quote unquote. And some of his classmates don't believe it's an accident and they start looking into it because, you know, but because it's the Federation. Oh, no. Yeah, we're, we're all enlightened, involved humans. We're not dark. We're all good. So we don't commit murder. So <laughs> the authorities aren't really good at solving murders because they don't believe Federation citizens are capable of murder mm -hmm. because we've evolved beyond that. We're civilized. So it's up to these cadets to solve the case before other students wind up dead and you could run that for like a whole season worth of plots make that the subplot arc trying to catch a killer one by yeah. one people That'd die be interesting and then that would just be season one now you've got your cast of cadets they could start looking into the you know it's a it's a it's a starfleet academy we know there's a handful of things like the what is it the red squad was the uh super secret skull and bone society sort of thing uh, are you talking about in the the D Space Nine episode? Yeah, uh, it was like Nova Squad or something on the Valiant. Yeah, it's like there was Nova Squad. There was Red. Well, Red Squad was there was a Red Squad that was oh, Nova elite. Squad was Wesley Crusher, right? And Red Squad was somebody else. Oh yeah, you're Valiant right. Yeah, that's and... the D Space Nine one. Is Red Squad? But I mean, you could have you know secret societies. You could have. Long buried secrets about the academy and its dark, mysterious past. I mean, there's all sorts of ominous things you could do. It's a college campus that's probably got buildings that are a couple hundred years old. People from all walks of life come in there. Not everybody likes the Federation, and I'm sure somebody who doesn't like the Federation could sneak in to murder a bunch of students. Yeah. You know, there's potential for appeal to everybody kind of action in the show, but yeah, mostly it would be about, you know, forming those early relationships as you're leaving college and entering the real world or still in college or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, CBS, it, it, you gotta talk to Bill. It's a show, oh, they, they like I say, this has been in their file cabinet for like 15 years, so I'm sure they've already gotten <laughs> better ideas than I'm suggesting. <laughs> um... It's like the other show, ideas they toss out there. Um, everybody keeps saying some kind of anthology series where it's just like uh, random episodes that mm -hmm. one week it's this, one week it's that. I don't see that happening. Because of the production value, it would be too high to right. create completely new stuff. Even even uh, for you know one season of something and then another season. like That's supposedly what Brian Fuller wanted. And CBS was like, you know, laugh out loud. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, if you can do it, best. if you could do it real simply where you're not relying on futuristic sets and you're just filming some dude out in the woods, like <laughs> he's a retired Starfleet officer. So you'll need to build a, a, a microwave and make it look like a replicator. Mm -hmm. And then it's a log cabin. And all you gotta do is find a log cabin, stick your little fake replicator in it. And boom, that's your set. So I think that's what these short treks um, evolved from is that idea of having 
there'd be something different every season or even every episode. Uh, I think that's what, what that evolved from. And these short tracks, even though it's all discovery related, they're still, each one is, is really different from the other. And they've done so well with them too. I mean, I've enjoyed them. So that's, yeah. And that, I mean, but they're still kind of limited as to how far away they can go because it is. Because they're relying on the pre-existing sets and costumes and whatnot. So what, what kind of show, what other shows would, would we want to see? Is there like, I don't know, uh, you know, another 24th century show, you know, maybe it's set in the early 24th century. Maybe there's a, eventually a Picard spinoff show, uh, maybe something further into the future. What do you think? Uh, or maybe something, you know, around Enterprise era time. If they went further into the future, uh, you you hit some of the same snags. I was gonna be like, well, that's that's by the time they've got time travel, so we can go to any era. But then you're right back with the same problem you have with an anthology show. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't mind seeing, and I cringe to say this because honestly, I will probably hate it, and they will screw it up, and they will just do everything wrong with it. Um, there were a lot of uh, loose plot threads that were never followed up and never investigated. Um, the whale probe. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Um, you know, things like that. Um, the uh, conspiracy bugs. They sent a beacon to the other side of the galaxy. Was that the Gamma Quadrant? Was that the Delta no. Quadrant? We never heard of those guys again, even mm-hmm. though they were warned and they should have been going after somebody. Where were they, you know? Um... There's like a dozen ancient dead civilizations out there. Uh, you know, how did they die? Who's looking into that? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of interesting things they could do, but I, I, I worry about it because you're going to end up with people who are all like, oh, yeah, let's do a follow-up to uh, this story. And, oh, by the way, yeah, V'ger is was made by the Borg, where they're going to take some of the old stuff and try to combine it and make it fit into TNG and make the universe smaller instead of making it bigger. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they necessarily need to, to you know, follow up on, say, the whale probe or uh, uh, whatever they're called from the episode Conspiracy. You said the Conspiracy Bugs. Um, you know, there, there's books you know, that talk about V'ger with the Borg and, uh, and the whale bad. probe and yeah. all this. You know, they follow up in those, you know, continuation of, of these different shows. I used to read those books. I haven't read them in a while. I'm not caught up. Um, but yeah, they used to incorporate all that stuff and give explanations. And, um, you know, I still enjoy them. I thought it was cool to see what they came up with, but do we need explanations? Not necessarily. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't mind explanations just, uh, in some cases, if they're like, Oh, it's a whole new section of the galaxy we've never explored. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a show exploring the Beta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. That's everything that's behind the the, the Romulans and the yeah. Klingons. We've never seen that. Um, but now that we're generally at peace, we could go that away. And we know that at some point the Romulans had a problem with somebody on the other side of their empire because they retreated from the edge of Federation space for several decades. Mm-hmm. 
and then they came back in time for TNG. So who were they up against? What's on the other side out there? You've got a whole beta quadrant that could be explored. Well, we know that the Tomed incident uh, in the sometime in the early 24th century is what made the Romulans recede, close their borders again. Um, but we don't have a, necessarily have an explanation unless you read the Lost Era book series um, yeah. that fill in the gaps of the Enterprise C, Enterprise B, the Tomed incident, and whatnot. Right. Um, yeah. So what I would like to see in this stemming off of discussing season two premiere of Discovery is I, I really want to see a Pike spinoff series with the Enterprise. Is it needed? Not necessarily. But I think Anson Mount is doing is going to do such a good job. He's going to be really popular. Um, I think it warrants seeing him in action. Um, you know, we haven't seen the new Spock besides the trailers and then a voiceover in the premiere. But uh, I... I would really like to see what, you know, the time between what we're seeing Discovery and then, you know, what leads up to him um, leaving the Enterprise and Kirk taking over. Yeah, I could see a a Captain Pike series working or maybe just a couple more crossovers here and there over the next few years. I don't know if I'd want a full series, just a mini series because... The problem with doing a full series is, yeah, right now they've got wiggle room, and I know they've got some kind of 10-year master plan to make all the differences they've made uh, slowly but surely turn around and sync up with TOS so that, oh, it's all Prime, it'll all look like Prime by the end, and everything's going to fit. And they're doing it in bits and pieces over a 10-year run. I get that. Um, But since you're on a different ship, and it's dealing with different stories that we haven't seen, it helps. It gives you some wiggle room. Sneeze. Excuse me. Almost a sneeze. Almost a sneeze. If you start doing it with Pike, and it's the lead-up to Pike handing command over to Kirk, then you lose a lot of that wiggle room, and you kind of get locked in, and there's a risk that you're going to end up with the craptacular... Star Wars Episode 3 ending. Oh, crap, we're out of time. Drop him in a volcano so he can be Darth <laughs> Vader. You know, it, it's like that's 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 the one thing that would worry me about doing a, uh, a Pike series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see doing a limited run. I, I, I honestly would want to see how long the show could go and, you know, see if we can get up to that Kirk era because um, I, I really want to know more and see more of Pike uh because he's been so untouched, you know, except for, you know, the reboot movies with, you know, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood, yeah. Yeah, and I really liked his take, and uh, Anson Mount's take is going to be completely different, and I think that's really cool. Uh, and I, I really like him. Uh, so, I, I don't know, I'd be game for it. Uh, but, you know, that, again, that gets us another series that, like Section 31, that's around, you know, the time of discovery, and do we need more of that? Ne- not necessarily. I want to see... 24th century stuff. I want to see maybe the beginning of the Federation. Uh, see, maybe... what I'd like to see, and it would make a good series, and it would look... It would be Star Trek that isn't really Star Trek. I would like to see them do Gary 7. Yeah. That almost S- happened. Set it, set it right now. 
so that you can just walk around and film on location in Detroit or Chicago. or It'll save on your production costs immensely because you don't have to build elaborate alien sets. He's on Earth. It's the 21st century. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of high-tech gadgets, but mostly he's just running around fighting aliens who show up here or time travelers who show up here. And you could get little snippets like, oh, you want to know what happened to Agent Daniels and that whole temporal Cold War? Yeah, Gary Seven happened to him. That's what happened. <laughs> That's just uh, you, like in the books. Yeah. You, oh, <laughs> oh, is that in the books? Yeah. So in the the continuing TNG stuff, they wrap up the the Cold War, the temporal Cold War, and they bring in Gary Seven. Uh, they they link it to a lot of things uh, in the um, the temp. Uh, what's it called? The uh, temporal investigations guys from D Space Nine. They there's like three or so books on them, and that's where they wrap all that up. Yeah. See, I mean, I wouldn't mind a few wrap-ups, but it, it does kind of worry me sometimes. They try too hard to shoehorn things in, like trying to claim that Trelane was a Q. That bothered me. Yeah. Um, it's like the universe is big enough for there to be more than one godlike alien, guys, okay? They don't have to all be the same species. But, um, no, I mean, a Gary Seven show, you could wrap up a few things. You could drop hints about a few things, like... Uh, TOS told us that Colonel Green was the guy who started World War III by launching a bunch of nukes or whatever. So Gary Seven's running around on Earth being pursued by a Lieutenant Green, hmm. who is part of uh, whatever Project Blue Book is going on today. He's basically the Army's men in black. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, Gary Seven is also looking into some suspicious activities at a genetic research facility. Khan? Yeah, a precursor to Khan. We don't even need to see Khan... These are just the people that are going to end up making Khan and the other genetic supermen. So you would see a Dr. Dr. Noonien and a Dr. Singh. <laughs> see, CBS, you've got, you've got a lot of stuff to draw on. you just gotta, you got to talk to Bill. Or don't talk to me. That way you can just, you know, do it with somebody who's talented and, <laughs> you know, get it out there. But, you know... Do do a Star Trek show that doesn't look like Star Trek at all, and it's just like peripherally connected, mm-hmm. and it opens you up to more possibilities. It would be it's the X Files, it's it's the Visitor, it's I'm naming a bunch of shows that have had a similar theme and concept, but they work. It's Starman for crying out loud. Yes, the series was not as good as the movie, but you know it's still a thing. Uh, shall we uh, switch gears and talk about Discovery? Yes, yes, Season yes, yes. Two premiere episode, brother. Uh, what oh, did you brother, think? Where art thou? Well, yeah. if you call it brother. He should actually show up. Damn it! <laughs> well, technically, we saw him right as a child. Yeah, we saw baby brat. I mean, baby spot. Baby <laughs> spot. So, what are your thoughts overall? Um, the child actor they got to play baby Spock, I swear to God, I would not want to sleep in the same house with that boy because <laughs> you wake up and he's standing over you with a knife. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know if that kid's just a brilliant actor or if it's any time you get a child who doesn't show any emotion at all, it just creeps you out. <laughs> but I definitely got the vibe that uh, young child Spock did not like Mike Burnham at all when she first showed up. Yeah. And yeah, that 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 when he's watching them read Alice in Wonderland, that's a murder face. Yeah. 
okay? <laughs> I know who was committing the Vulcan Academy murders now, okay? <laughs> That's, I mean, wow. Child Spock. And I, I feel really bad if the kid was just trying to go for emotionless and not, I really hate that woman, but I don't want to show it because uh, I'm making jokes like that. That kid's going to grow up in 20 years resenting people like me. We're the reason the child stars suffer so in their older years. But that face, come on. Ooh. Yeah. Sent chills down my spine. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm hoping it's intentional because, yeah, there's supposed to be a – uh, early tension between them that will eventually resolve mm -hmm. on uh, some level. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't like get too weird. <laughs> Spock and Burnham were lovers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's in the back of my mind too. Yeah, it's like, I think a lot of people have, have thought that. Uh, well, I mean, because they're not really related, but... Uh, yeah. It's not necessarily a... No, they can't. It's just kind of like uh, I don't know how I feel about this. It's it's weird. It's weird for a lot of reasons. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why, but you know. <laughs> uh, so, what did you think of uh, the the other stuff in the episode, like with the Hiawatha and the Red Angel and whatnot? Uh, so far, so good. It was a good way to introduce. The new characters who are going to have recurring role. I'm guessing they're recurring roles. Mm -hmm. Is she a permanent addition to the cast, Tignataro? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I don't know if that's if that's clear, but I think she's a great addition. Uh, it'd be great if she was a main character, like in season three. Yeah, and um, you know who they who they did make a main you know uh, cast member is uh, Wilson Cruz, uh, Doctor Hugh Colbert. Uh, you know, his name is up on those main credits. Uh, I think that's great to see. I think that means he's coming back. He oh, definitely. better come back. I mean, yeah. if they don't bring him back, it's like I don't care how many Star Treks you make. Somebody needs to fire Kurtzman if he doesn't figure out a way to yeah. make sure that Colbert is only sci-fi dead and not dead dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of uh, disappointed we didn't get to see number one on the Enterprise, uh, but I think it'll be really great when we do get to see her. Uh, I just I love seeing the Enterprise in general, and I liked seeing the interior, uh, how they updated it, but they made it they made it look an updated retro. If that's what if that's a proper term for it yeah they, they hit enough of the classic notes yeah while introducing the more modern stuff yeah contemporary effects yeah and it, it's it's interesting that commander non uh when you know she pike and Connolly come aboard she says you know this is where um uh, starfleet's putting their pennies you know saying you know discovery is so new and nice looking um, you know, compared to the older Enterprise. I mean, yeah. at that time, it's, what, like 12 years old? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then they also have new uniforms. Now, my question is, is it um, a new inter new uniform because they are wearing the Discovery uniforms or because they are wearing Cage uniforms? Uh, that's my question. Uh, he was referring to the the, 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 the three colored uniforms yeah. that they beamed on with. Those are the new uniforms. Yeah, but are they are they a new version of the cage uniforms? Or are they completely new? Like this is 
Starfleet introducing the the color variation. I believe it's supposed to be Starfleet introducing the color variation and the classic TOS uniform because the thing to remember about the cage is they didn't do the three color pattern. You had yellow tunics and gray tunics. Oh yeah, that's true. I and everybody was that. wearing the gray jacket. Yeah. Okay. And so prior even the to this first episode, couple of episodes of well, the first cup I don't know what order they were aired in, but the first couple of episodes of uh, Star Trek were the has same gone thing. Before. Yeah, they had that weird two tone bland color scheme. It wasn't until like two or three episodes in they went to the three color pattern, and that was the classic look. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I wonder. Uh, I would be. It'd be cool if they, if we had seen some of the cage stuff. Um, and then maybe make a switch. I don't know. I, yeah. I still like the new those new uniforms. I think they look really great. They do. Uh, so is there anything you did not like about this premiere? Um, trying to think. Trying to think. I mean, yeah. I mean, there there are there were. Um, you know, it's like you call it brother, and there's no Spock. Come on, where's Spock? <laughs> um, That's the mystery. Yeah. There's not a lot to really, like, dislike so far. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a good, solid episode. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm amazed. It blew me out of the water. Uh, still neat to see the Enterprise show up again. Yeah. It was neat seeing some of the little uh, tchotchkes in Spock's quarters that you could recognize from uh, the original series. Mm-hmm. His uh, Vulcan harp. Yeah, then also the uh, bells from a mock time. The bells from a mock time. Yeah, the little subtle touches like that that they did were nice. Um, honestly, it's like, I mean, they're, they're, they're introducing some new characters. I liked, uh, okay, what I didn't like is the scene where uh, Pike says, all right, bridge crew, roll call. I want to know who I'm dealing with. And they do the roll call, but they do it so fast. I still don't know who half those people are. <laughs> I think this season we'll we'll get to know them a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I nice. know we will. I know we will. And it would be nice if they would just let that kind of flow organically over the course of the show. I mean, it was nice of them to try to, oh, put a name to all these people because people are tired of saying – Oh yeah, the, the 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 chick with the shaved head and the the seven of nine thing on her head, mm-hmm. and and the, the 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 robot chick that looks like Scorpio from uh, Farscape, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, what was it? Baby Daft Punk. I didn't see Baby Daft Punk this time around. <laughs> so uh, what's interesting to note is that uh, Arium, uh, the actress. Uh, is, is a different actress. The original actress is still on the show. She's playing a new character. Um, so that's, that's interesting. I wonder why they did that. I'm hoping it's not for more body swapping hijinks like they did with Ash and Valk. <laughs> no, I, I, I highly doubt that. It, maybe it was related to the makeup or something. Uh, maybe she was like allergic. To Having that. a reaction to it. That's possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's so cool that she's on the show, just as yeah. a different character. Uh, so overall, I really liked the episode. I thought it was, um, I think it's going to be a stronger season than uh, the last one. I mean, already I, I like it. I, I, I like season one, but I think overall this is lighter. Uh, it's it feel it does feel more Star Trek ish well, to me. 
It took them three episodes into season one to show us what the show is about. So I'm waiting for three episodes to make a judgment call. Ah, that's because yeah. yeah, it is. It's like this was this was a nice intro setup. Uh, it almost feels like you know you're starting over again. Yeah. Enough references to the old stuff. It, it's nice to see. I mean, I don't know if it's nice to see. It's like Burnham didn't learn her lesson about respecting the captain. She's she's going to be a. It's like everything Pike says, she's calling him on it. Yeah, so like, they're going to butt heads. Yeah, they're going to butt heads a few times. I mean, about, I did, uh, Oh, go ahead. I, I liked the scene where Pike lost his temper because it gives us a little bit of what we saw of him. I mean, he, he's not a he's not a, a laid-back, easy, peaceful guy. He's a, I will reach through this glass and I will squeeze your giant brainy head. Yeah. You know, he had that temper in the cage and he yeah. had... Uh, darkness to him without being oh I'm from the mirror universe that's why I'm dark it's like I think it's going to be good to see him yelling at his crew because they're making him angry <laughs> at the same time he can uh, he you know he's he's a great leader and he can, yes he will command their respect um, I, mean, right. I don't expect it to be right away because there needs to be that development uh, that that tug that tug of war going on Uh yeah, I but, I mean, even though I made fun of it earlier, they need to just honestly give him a Captain Kirk moment where we don't really like you, but, you know, we were all going to die, and then you saved us at the last minute because you're awesome. So we like <laughs> you now. Let, let, let's move on from this. G- give him his, yeah, you saved the planet, so we're not sending you to jail moment. Mm-hmm. So what I don't understand is why did he give command back to Saru after he said, my you know, my mission's complete or whatever, but he's still staying on board. Um, are they co-captain, you know, being co-captain? I, I, what's going on there? Um, the, um, from the way they made it sound, uh, and I, I mean, it's possible two or three episodes in, they will officially see Pike is the captain of the enterprise. Enterprise is the flagship. Mm Mm-hmm. So once once the flagship is up and running or the special mission that they need discovery for is finished... Pike's going to leave. He's not going to be the permanent replacement captain. Yeah. And so Pike is also trying not to ruffle feathers by knocking Saru back down. It's like, okay, now you're not in charge. Now you're in charge. Now you're not in charge. Now you're in charge. So, yeah, I think it's what it is, is Pike is the uh, operational commander for the specific Red Angel missions. But Saru is still acting captain of the ship. Okay, that's what I, I kind of thought was going on. That, that yeah, that's the conclusion I kind of came to. Uh, but it would be interesting to see if they butt heads. Um, it would be nice if they butted heads. It'll give Seru a chance to grow as a character yeah. and get past his uh, meek, timid "I am prey" mindset. And I think he will. At yeah. least once, they're going to butt heads, and he's going to call him on it. Yeah. And then they're going to actually hash things out, and Pike will be in command, in command. But yeah. I hope so anyway. So, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing where this season goes. Uh, I, I think it will get a third season. I think that will be announced, you know, within a few episodes or so. I'm also really hoping that this does turn out to be a Cybok thing. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to discuss, or shall we wrap it up? Um... I think we've pretty much covered everything for our hour-long news roundup. 
Um, I don't know what else is there. Let's see. The new shows are out. Um, That's all I had on my agenda. Uh, the lawsuit is not looking well for the plaintiffs. The defendant's sitting pretty because they're, they're innocent. I haven't really kept up with that a whole lot. All right. Short version is, um, okay, the dude sued them saying, here's a list of all the elements that were similar because they obviously stole from me. Mm-hmm. CBS's response was the classic uh, my cousin Vinny response. Everything that guy said was bullshit. Thank you. Uh, they they lawyered it up in pretty legalese, but that's the gist of it. And uh, now the judge has uh, issued a statement back at the beginning of January or middle of January uh, telling the plaintiffs, uh, you've got 10 weeks to prove they saw your thing. Um, so they're trying to look for some evidence that somebody saw his obscure little game on Steam Um mm-hmm before Discovery had finalized their story elements. But honestly, I mean, if you ever took the time to seriously look at and research this, you'll see that there really aren't any similarities. Or the similarities are because Star Trek and the Egyptian game guy both said, hey, tardigrades are cool, we're going to stick them in space. Because tardigrades are cool, and, and NASA did stick them in space. and some They can't di- survive the vacuum of space. Right, and people have speculated, oh, what if they're from space to begin with, and they're aliens? And yeah. that got recirculated back, because, you know, the Discovery Channel, it's kind of lost its grip on science, and it does a lot of weird alien stuff now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they, they're kind of blurring that line between science and science fiction accidentally by giving credence to the, oh, it's aliens, it's all aliens. And so you get a lot of these really bad documentaries that take good science and junk it up with bad theories. But good science junked up with bad theories might not be a good documentary for teaching kids the fundamentals of science, but it's a great way to inspire ideas for sci-fi series. So Tardigrades being space aliens idea from a documentary which means it's up for grabs and that's what CBS ran with for their show combining it with pre-existing concepts that existed within the Star Trek universe mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile game designer guy tardigrades in space sounds cool I'm going to grab it and stick it in my game combining it with pre-existing ideas that were in all the other sci-fi franchises this guy borrowed his context concepts from I mean, it's 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 a video game that's sort of a cross between an homage and a ripoff of everything. Elements of Dune, Stargate, uh, Star Trek, and all the old classic point and clicks from the '90s. You know that that's the way video games are. They're they're always going to have little Easter eggs or or references mm-hmm. to or throwbacks to something. Um. And it's 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 nothing really. Um, it's not plagiarism, sort of, kind of. It's just homaging. But what Star Trek did wasn't had anything to do with the game. It was basically Star Trek being Star Trek and telling their own story. And they didn't steal anything from this guy. And it's hard to... It's like so far the guy has found one name of one person on the uh, Discovery creative team who has a Steam account... 
but they didn't join the Discovery team until like two and a half years after the concept had been uh, worked up. Oh, wow. So they're not the source of mm-hmm. the idea. Yeah, it's like one of the writers that came in later after like 90% of the show had been finalized <laughs> and the general concept had been established. One of the writers they brought in to work on some of the later episodes had a Steam account and had played Steam games, which means in theory, theoretically, possibly, maybe, they had access to What's-His-Face's video game. Mm-hmm. But the timeline still doesn't match up for Discovery's production and when this guy joined and all this other stuff. Okay. So basically, it's looking more and more like Star Trek is completely innocent, except to people who didn't actually look up any of the facts about <sighs> the video game, and they really hate the show and want to see Star Trek fail. Those people are convinced it's obviously plagiarism, because they haven't really done any research. <laughs> and I, right. I hate to be snarky and mean about that, but it's like, you know, guys... You gotta knock it off. Get over it. There's there's Orville out there. If you really hate Discovery that much, watch the Orville. Mm-hmm. But when you watch the Orville, talk about how great the Orville is. Don't use it as an excuse to talk about how horrible Discovery is because you're not really helping the Orville, and people think you're an idiot. <laughs> All right. I mean, well, yeah, that's that's enough ranting from me. I like Discovery. Um, I'm fairly certain this lawsuit is a, a farce that's going to be tossed out, and they're going to walk away scot free. Yeah, and if we got to, like. if if we've got to cut all that out for whatever reason, that's fine too. I don't yeah, mind. Yeah, probably but, I'll probably end up cutting it out. But that's just to keep you FYI'd up. Well, I you. Uh, I did submit an article to James. Hopefully, it'll get up on Trexphere sometime soon. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw the discussion about that on the the group chat. Yeah. So hopefully it'll get put on the website soon, mm-hmm. and that'll be a art that that details a lot of why. Did you did you read the 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 doc I put in the group chat? I don't think I did. I don't know if I saw that part. Okay, yeah, it was I don't a couple pay of too much attention to that group chat. Yeah, because I'm proud of that doc. It is a good doc. I had jokes. I had pictures. I, I I referred to uh, Midnight Doom Chicken as the adversary. Oh, yeah, I saw you mention that in the chat, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I did the research, and it's like when you start doing the research, you know, the main character of the video game is named Carter, and he looks just like Sheriff Carter from Eureka. <laughs> so you stole him from that. Yeah, and the, the first picture of Aziz looks like Riker. <laughs> Not Culver, Riker. Later on, the guy decided to add some shading or depth or whatever to his art to make it darker, and then it looked like Culver. But <laughs> no, no. The first picture of Aziz on this guy's blog, totally Riker. Even plays a musical instrument, although he plays a recorder and not a trombone, but no. It's, <laughs> it's a Riker knockoff. Oh, wow. So maybe they should be suing him. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> The, the the female black character, oh, must be Mike Burnham? No. The description of the female black character, she is the communications officer. Anytime she's in a room, she adds extra communications options with the other characters who are present. 
That's all she does. She has nothing pertinent to add to the plot or advance the plot. She's there to facilitate communications, and that's it. Now, who do we know who's a female black Uh officer? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's not a Mike Burnham knockoff. Um, The redhead that's supposed to be Tilly. Yeah. She's a mysterious spy on a secret mission no one knows about. Sultry, gorgeous. Her name is Natasha. Does that sound familiar to you? Natasha Yar. No, um, Natasha Romanov from oh, yeah, Black, Black Widow. Widow from the Marvel yeah. Universe. Redhead, sultry, dangerous. And her one line of dialogue on the page where they premiered that character and they showed a screenshot of the game, her one line of dialogue stolen from Alien Resurrection. <sighs> Like the worst of the alien films. <laughs> you know, where Sigourney Weaver says, who do I have to screw to get off this station? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Natasha's line to introduce her character to the crowd of fans, like all five of them. Who do I have to screw to get back to my ship? <laughs> I mean, so it's a cross between uh, the Black Widow and Ripley. <sighs> And this dude has the unmitigated gall to try to say that somebody's plagiarizing off of him. Mm-hmm. He stole half his work from Star Trek. And th- and then tried to pass it off and say they stole from him. It's like, no. <laughs> wow. I'll have to do, um, yeah, I'll have to do some reading on it. I'll have to read your article when, uh, when it comes out. Uh, yeah, I, I've <laughs> links in it and all that, so I don't know when it's going to come out. And I did start, I did start that whole petition for mutton chops, and I'm hoping yeah, I that, saw that. Yeah, I haven't checked on that in a couple of days. <laughs> I need to see how it's uh, how it's faring. How it's faring. Let me look that up real quick. Hey, we're up to twenty three. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to uh, to uh, take us away, wrap up and take us away? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, like and follow us on Facebook. Check us out in the iTunes Store, in Google Play, and on YouTube. Uh, also, stay tuned to the Trexphere Space. They're going to be adding a weekly uh, live blog coming up on uh, Tuesdays soon. Yep. If Except not this episode all... will come out the day after the first one premieres. Okay, well, we're, 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 we're calling it before. So, hey, we're trying to do our part to promote boss. It's not <laughs> our fault you scheduled your blog for a Tuesday instead of a Thursday. That's on you. We did our part. Yeah. We have said be sure to check out the uh, Trexphere's new live chat. Um, uh, like and follow us on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube, Google Play, uh, iTunes. And if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> <laughs>